Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Carlos. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why don't we say it together as a church family? Prince of Peace. Come on, say it like you mean at 1045. Prince of Peace. And that's exactly what we're going to learn about today. So I want to invite you to have a seat now. I want to welcome all of our local campuses, global campuses. If you're watching us online, Christ Fellowship PB, come on, let's give it up for them as loud as you can. You know, for me, the Christmas season is my favorite time of the year. But for my family and I, the Christmas does not commence until after Thanksgiving. I know some of you have been listening to Christmas music since October, but that's not the case for us. And over the last couple of years, there's a tradition that has organically formed in our home that the day of Black Friday after Thanksgiving, we go and purchase our Christmas tree and put up all of our Christmas decorations. So this year, a couple weeks ago, on Black Friday, I woke up on full Christmas mode. From the moment I woke up, I got my JBL speaker, got on my Spotify accounts, put the Michael Buble, John Legend, all the different Christmas hits, blasting on home. Then I started watching Home Alone and Elf, even watched Die Hard. I went into the kitchen and started baking Christmas cookies. And I even, like a typical Miami guy, went to the garage and I began to prepare the cajachina. Come on, somebody. It's going down on Nochebuena after the services. Amen. So I was on full Christmas mode and 2 o'clock, it was around 2 o'clock, and we finally go and purchase our Christmas tree and we go to this place around our home in Old Cutler. And I asked my wife, babe, which tree do you want to get? She says, I love that one. It's full, fluffy. So we take it, and then we start loading it up to our van, and I'm putting, helping the guy put the Christmas tree in the van. Then I take my phone out, and I take a picture of the tree on top of the van, and I post it on Instagram. If you follow me, you probably saw it. Christmas is finally here in our home. So we drive to our house, and then I unload the Christmas tree. I have it on our back, and I unload it, and I place it in our living room. But folks, the moment that I place it in the living room, something was wrong because I saw my wife's face. She gave me the look. If you're a husband, you know about the look. And I said, babe, what's wrong? She said, the tree trunk is too long. And I said, so what? So what? It looks terrible. I said, baby, no one's going to notice it. Of course they're going to notice it. So I said, you know what? Let's grab the tree skirt and cover it. Once we put the train around it, no one will even notice it. No, 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 no. We have to cut the tree trunk. I don't have a tree saw. I thought about using a steak knife, but that doesn't work. So I said, babe, I don't have a tree saw. 
what do we do? We have to go back and take it to the place. So you mean to tell me <laughs> that after unloading the tree, I need to get the tree again, place it on my back, put it on top of our van, rope it to the van, and go driving back to this place? Yes. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, I'm not doing it. Two minutes later, I'm grabbing the keys. The Lord convicted me. It's Christmas, y'all. So I'm here grabbing the tree, putting it on the van. We drive back to the place. In less than a minute, they cut it. And I said, babe, are you sure that's the size that you want? Yes. Awesome. Looks great. So we drive back home, place the tree back in the living room. Then I start decorating the tree with her. Christmas music is back on. The kids are watching Polar Express. Everything is great. And I'm decorating, putting the ornaments, putting the lights. And then we're almost done with the tree. And I have been dealing with tangled Christmas lights. And I hate dealing with that. So finally, we're almost done with the tree. And we're done. And so then I called Noah, Nathan, and Everly. Come, come. I'm about to light up the tree. I'm about to turn on the lights. Get the phone ready. Take pictures. Let's do a countdown. So then they're like, three, two, one. And this happens. These are new lights. We got them last year. What makes matters worse, it's not the bottom section that doesn't work. It is the middle section. So I asked my wife, what do you want to do? Well, we need to take all the lights. I'm like, no, no, no. So I start fiddling with the lights. Have you ever, ever done that before? I start fiddling with the different lights, getting different light bulbs, making sure one of them work. And at that moment, I kid you not, it wasn't working. I wanted to grab the Christmas tree and throw it in the fire. I wanted to build a fire outside in our backyard and just throw that Christmas tree there. So we begin to take the lights. My wife tells me, you have to go to Target to pick up new lights. And it's around 9 o'clock at night on Black Friday. And I'm driving to Target like, ugh. Gosh. But folks, it hit me there. It's Christmas. It's supposed to be the most peaceful time of the year. It's supposed to be the most joyful time of the year. It's supposed to be a day filled with laughter, joy, excitement, happiness, peace. And I felt everything but peace in that moment. Now, let me bring that story over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of how many of us may feel during the Christmas season. And by that, I mean just like I felt stress. Just like I was upset, angry, exhausted, many of us, the Christmas season may be a time filled with stress, with fear, with anxiety, with depression, with sadness, discouragement, and we can feel everything but peace during the Christmas season. And maybe that's how you feel 
today. Maybe you walked in here today with a lot of marital stress, a lot of financial burden. Perhaps you and your wife just got in a fight before even making your way to church. And you don't feel any peace this Christmas season. But here's what I want us to get today. In fact, this is our big idea for this weekend. God wants you to experience his peace. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, how can I experience God's peace? You have no idea what is happening in my home. You have no idea what's happening in my marriage. You have no idea what's happening with my children. You have no idea what's happening with my finances. How can I experience God's peace? Well, we're going to find out today as we navigate through this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. I want to encourage you to take out your smartphones. We have an incredible church app, which you can engage throughout the entire week. We love to take notes here. So here's the first point for today. Experience peace with God. Experience peace with God. Now, let me take us back to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what the word of God says. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I want to give us some background to what's happening in this passage. You see, Isaiah is a very familiar passage, especially during the Christmas season. You see it all over social media. You see it in different coffee mugs and paintings, and Isaiah is a prophet of God. Meaning what? Meaning God gives them a word, and then Isaiah delivers that word to the nation of Israel. But here's what I want us to understand. That when Isaiah receives this prophecy from God, he receives it in the year 735 B.C. In other words, over 700 years before the birth of Jesus on this earth. In fact, this prophecy does not begin until two chapters before in Isaiah chapter 7. In fact, I want to take us back to Isaiah chapter 7, because here's what the Word of God says. Therefore, Isaiah is declaring this, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Now, I want us to understand what's happening, because during this time in 700 BC, Israel was divided into two different kingdoms, the southern kingdom, which is known as Judah, and the northern kingdom, which is known as Israel. And when Isaiah gives this prophecy, he is speaking to King Ahaz. And in the moment that he gives this prophecy, he is saying, the Lord's going to give you a sign. But in that moment, King Ahaz is filled with a lot of fear. He's filled with a lot of anxiety. He is very concerned. Here is why. Because one of his main enemies, the Assyrians, the nation of Assyria, was getting ready to attack the southern kingdom of Israel. So during this time, he is afraid about the attack from his enemy. So at this time, Isaiah is giving a message of hope. He's giving a message of peace to King Ahaz and to southern Israel. Now, you may be thinking, what good does the prophecy of the future Messiah do for King Ahaz and the southern kingdom of Israel? Jesus Jesus is not going to be born until over 700 years later. How does that even help him in his current estate? 
He is in dire need at that very moment. You see, through this narrative, God is teaching us something very imperative for us to comprehend as believers. God is teaching us that the biggest problem that they were facing, King Ahaz and Israel, was not the enemy of the Assyrians. It was not their attack. It was not their military. It was not their government. It was not that nation. But rather, their greatest problem was their sin. And their greatest need was not to be protected from the Assyrians. It was not to be protected from that attack. But rather, their greatest need in life was a need for a Savior. Why? Because sin destroys our peace with God. In fact, write this down as your next point for today. Sin destroys peace with God. The Bible says in Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all. Say with me, all. all. Say it like you mean it, all. all. All people, because all sinned. This is a very simple yet profound theological truth that Bible scholars refer to it as total depravity meaning every single one of us, we are born sinners. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 5 that before Christ, our minds, our thoughts, our behaviors are hostile towards the things of God. We are in hostility before coming to Jesus. And sin separates us and causes division between us and God, and we are not at peace. You see, this theological truth of we're born sinners, became so much more real to me the moment that I became a father, the moment that I became a parent. Listen, I love my kids. I love spending time with my children. But oftentimes, Shawnee and I, my wife and I, will receive comments like this. Ah, oh, your children are so cute. They're not cute during bedtime. Oh, your boys are angels. Angels? Come take care of them for half a day. You're going to realize something else. Look, look, listen, I love them. A couple weeks ago, we went to Ikea to go Christmas shopping, and my wife loves Ikea. She can be there from all day. And I go there just to please her and to serve her, so I go with her. And so we were at Ikea, and we were getting ready to pay for our stuff. And at the end of Ikea, there is this candy wall filled with candy. And so you can buy the candy, you have to weigh it, and then you have to pay for the candy. And my four-year-old son, Nathan, our middle child, loves candy. He loves sugar. So he sees that and his eyes open up. <gasps> and he begins to make his way over there. And I tell Nathan, Nathan, don't go there and do not take any candy. So we're paying for the stuff and I'm unloading the things into the carts. And then once we're done, guess what happens? I see Nathan over there. So I tell Nathan, Nathan, come over here. We got to go. We got to go to lunch. And he is running towards me, jogging, jolly, jolly, merry, merry Christmas with a full mouth of candy. Mm. And I notice it. So I go, Nathan, come over here. He's like, mm. I'm like, did you take any candy? 
Are you sure you didn't take any candy? Dude was about to choke on the candy. Here is pastor's kid stealing candy from Ikea. Oh my gosh, so embarrassing. I told the man, ma'am, ma'am, please charge me for $3 worth of candy. Guy got so much candy, just charge me four or five bucks, whatever, but charge me. In less than three minutes, he committed three sins. He disobeyed his dad. He stole candy. And he lied about stealing candy. Not once, but twice. What a sinner. I didn't teach him to do these things. If you are a parent, you could say amen to that. You know what I'm talking about. If you are a teacher and you deal with children, you know what I'm talking about. You can say amen to that as well. You don't have to teach children how to break the rules. They naturally break the rules. You have to teach them how to follow and obey the rules. Why? Because every single one of us, there, are, there is a propensity towards sin. We are in sinful nature, and it leads us to sinning. But here's the good news. Because of Christmas, Jesus made peace with God possible. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Because of Christmas, we can experience peace with God. In fact, here's what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Say with me, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through our good works? Through coming to church, no. being a good husband, no. being a good citizen, no. being a good person, no. through our Lord Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. The only way that you can experience peace with God Almighty is through Jesus Christ. And that took place during Christmas. We can experience the peace of God. So my question for you today, do you have? peace with God? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or are you still far away from the things of God? And there is division. There isn't peace with God. And if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today. I want to remind you today that you are a child, a son, a daughter of the King. Treasure the fact that you have peace with God. This Christmas, as you are enjoying all the festivities and the Christmas party, treasure the fact that there is peace with you and the Almighty God, that God has forgiven you from your past, your present, and your future sins. Now, here's the good news. Because of Christmas, we can experience peace with God, and we also can experience the peace of God. We can experience the peace of God. Write that down as your next point for today. Let's go back to the passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, and his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Say it with me, Prince of Peace. Say it like you mean it, Prince of Peace. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle, first of all, the word Prince. In the Old Testament, we've told you many times that the Old Testament was first written in Hebrew, 
and then translated into other languages. That word prince in the Old Testament is the word seer, and it means to have authority, to be the leader, to be the Lord. Now, here's what I want us to get. Oftentimes, we want the peace of God, but we don't want to submit to the prince. Five people heard that. Can I say that again? Oftentimes, we want the peace of God, but we don't want to submit to the prince. And oftentimes, the reason why we don't experience peace in our current situation is because we haven't allowed God to be the Lord of our life in every single area, and we find ourselves in a situation, and we don't experience peace. And we're saying, God, why? Is he your prince? Have you submitted to God? So is he the prince of your life? Is he the Lord of every single area of your life? Now, when we think of the word peace, many of us, what comes to mind, the definition that conjures in our mind is a troubled, free life. It is a life of no conflict. When we think of peace, we think of being around the river, the great smoky mountains, perfect utopia, no issues, no worries, no conflict. That's what comes to our mind when we think of peace. But here's what I want us to get. God does not say he is the prince of convenience. He doesn't say he's the prince of a troubled free life, stress-free life. But he says he's the prince of peace. And this word peace, circle it if you're taking notes because it's an incredible word in the Old Testament. It's the word shalom. Say with me, shalom. At all of our campus, say it with me, shalom. And the definition is so profound because it means fullness, completeness, wholeness. And when it's used as a verb, it means to restore or to be made complete. Shalom. In fact, in the Old Testament, whenever they had a stone that was perfect and didn't have any cracks, they would say, that stone is shalom. Because it's full and complete. In the Old Testament, cities would have a wall to protect itself from enemies. Whenever there was a wall that was perfect and had no gaps, they would say that wall is shalom because it's complete. Job chapter 5, when Job looked at his tents and they were full, not lacking anything, he said those tents are shalom because it's complete. In the Old Testament, Solomon, when they built the first temple in Jerusalem, when it was all said and done, he looked at the temple and he said, that temple is shalom because it's complete. Tell the person next to you, you need some shalom peace. You need some shalom. Tell the other person next to you, you also need some shalom peace. You see, the peace of God is not the absence of problems. But rather, the peace of God is the presence of God that gets you through the problem. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 27, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But it's not like the peace that the world gives. Not that type of peace. You see, the peace that the world gives is a temporary thing. It's a peace that you feel for a moment that then it vanishes. It's conditional. It depends on what you're going through, the situation. But that's not the type of peace that I give. 
My peace is much greater than that. My peace is much more deeper than that. So don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Because the peace of God is not the absence of problems, but rather the presence of God that gets you through that problem. Whatever situation you're going through in life, shalom is with you. The peace of God is with you in spite of whatever adversity you're facing, whatever trial you're going through in life. The prince of peace is with you. The truth of the matter is oftentimes... There are things that keep us from experiencing this type of peace. And there are many, but I want to share a couple with you. One of the reasons why we don't experience the shalom peace is because we don't enjoy the current season that we are in in life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, here's what Solomon says, the wisest man after Jesus to walk on this earth. He says the following, uh, following, for everything there is a season, say with me, season, season. say it like you mean it, season. season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know what happens oftentimes? We think the moment that we're out of one season, we're going to experience peace. I don't experience peace now. But once I get through this and I'm out of this season, I'm going to experience peace. And it begins from a young age. You're in school, high school, middle school, college. I can't wait to the day that I graduate school so that I can experience peace. I'm tired of homework, projects, the schedule, long days, teachers, all the activities. And you graduate school, college. You land your dream job but your boss is a nightmare. And there goes your peace. You want to get out of that job, thinking that you go to another job, you're going to experience peace. You go to another job and your coworkers are a nightmare. Maybe you've been single for a long time. And you're losing your peace because, you're, because of your singleness. It's 2019 and everybody's getting married and everyone's having children but me. I can't wait till I get married so I can experience peace. I've been singled so long. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, did you hear? Did you get my notes? Did you? <laughs> I can't wait till I get married so I can experience peace. Then you get married. I've been married for so long. Can I get a rain check? I hope nobody's saying that. Can we go back to that other season of singleness? No one's saying that in this campus or out of our campuses. When I became a dad and we had our first child, Shawnee and I, we had Noah, he's six and a half now. I remember the first couple months, first year, sleepless nights. I can't wait till this season is over so I can experience peace. In my life, they're so dependent on me. All the diapers, they don't walk, they don't talk. They just look at me funny. <laughs> Guess what happened? They started walking and talking. And I'm telling them, stop talking and stop walking. <laughs> Terrible two stage came in. Then they go to school and all the homeworks and the projects and all the activities. Then they become teenagers. 
And if you think your peace was gone when they were a baby, you're definitely not going to have any peace because now they're asking to borrow your car and your insurance goes up. Yes, they can sleep through the night, but you can't sleep because you're wondering, who are they going out with? What are they doing? Who is she dating? What are they up to? What are they doing on social media? What are they watching? You got to deal with terrible two, terrible 22. Some of you are dealing with terrible 32. And we think the moment we get out of the season, we're going to experience peace. There's always going to be something to take away your peace. But here's the good news. God wants you to experience his peace in this current season. Why? Because the peace of God is not the absence of problems, but rather the presence of God that gets you through this problem. I'm speaking to a mom who is exhausted. I pray. Yeah, there she is. I pray that you may experience the peace of God. Experience the peace of God. Another one that this, I just added yesterday, another reason why we lose our peace, comparison. 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 You know, this is how it works. You're having an incredible day, and everything is going well at work. You're nailing your emails, working hard, making it to all the meetings. You have your to-do list. You're making everything happen, filled with peace. And then this is what happens. Babe, let me get, love, let me get your phone for a moment. This is what happens. You, you have a break, and you pull up your phone, and you get on Instagram. And you begin to scroll down your Instagram, and you're like, what? <laughs> Melissa is on vacation again? How many times is she going to go to Disney? She's been in Disney more than Mickey. Gosh! And you begin to compare yourself with others. Peace out the door. You know what's going to happen with some of us this Christmas? We're going to get a gift that we love, and we're going to love it, and we're going to be filled with joy and peace and happiness the moment that we see what someone else got. There goes our peace. In fact, my brother and Pastor Gideon, they were telling me, thank you, babe. Can we give it up for my wife? Thank you, my love. My brother and Pastor Gideon were, were telling me that social media, Instagram, you can see how many likes a person has, and they're going to remove that feature. And the reason why they're going to remove it is because they've seen how many, it's led to so much anxiety and depression because people compare themselves to other people. And there goes their peace. Don't allow comparison to take away your peace. And lastly, I want you to write this down as your last point for today. Another thing that takes away our peace is worry and anxiety. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon of the Mounts. Do not be worried about your life, what you eat or drink, or by your body, what you wear. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not 
much more valuable than they? Of course you are. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's not the peace that the world gives. It's something much more greater and more profound than that. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What are you concerned about? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Is it your business? Is it your children? Is it your health? The peace of God, the Prince of God is with you. This is not the peace that the world gives. You know, you can be in an all-inclusive resort with all the luxuries and everything that you desire and not experience the peace of God. But you can be dealing with stage three cancer and experience the peace of God. So my question for you today, if you're watching us online, at West Kendall, Homestead, Coral Gables, Redland, Miami Springs, what is robbing you from your peace? What is robbing you from experiencing the peace of God? Some time ago, I heard a pastor share a story about a family, husband and wife, and they had three children. They were all teenagers. During the Christmas season, the wife was going through a lot of adversities and struggles, and it led her to a great depression. And so one night, the husband and the children came back after a long day, and they noticed that the wife was not there, and her car was not parked in front of their home. Immediately, the husband called his wife. She wouldn't answer. He left her a voicemail, sent her messages. She wouldn't answer. The children started reaching out to her, her parents, her friends. Then they became, they became anxious and worried at that very moment. So the cops came, and when the cops came, they noticed that there wasn't any conflict or any animosity, any issue, any struggle. So this was self-inflicted that she left on her own, and they started thinking of the worst because she was going through this dark season in her life. So the husband decided to hire a private investigator. And about a week later, he found the wife in a motel outside of the city limits. And so he called the husband and said, sir, I have found your wife. She's in a motel outside of the city. Immediately, the husband drove and made his way to the motel. He found out what room she was in. And so he knocks on the door hard, desperate. The moment that she opened the door, she began to sob. She began to cry. The husband hugged the wife. Without saying anything, the wife got her suitcase and began to follow him to the car. As they're driving home, the husband asked his wife, are you going to be okay? And she said, yeah, I think so. And then he asked her, what changed 
with you because I've been calling you. I have been sending you messages. I have been leaving you voicemails. Everyone has been reaching out to you, your children, your parents, your friends. What changed? You never responded. But the moment that I got to the room and I showed up without any resistance, you followed me to our car. And she said something that he will never forget. She said, what changed was that you showed up. You didn't just send messages. You didn't just call me. You didn't just text me. You didn't just leave me a voicemail. But you pursued me. You found me. And you showed up in my mess. Can I tell you today, in a much greater way, in a much more powerful way, that is the story of Christmas. You see, God gave us hundreds of promises. God gave us many prophecies. God sent an angel to announce the birth of Christ. But God said, that's not enough. That's not enough. I love you so much that I'm gonna take off my majestic robe, come down from my celestial throne, and I am gonna show up in your mess. I am gonna show up in your depression. I am gonna show up in your anxiety. I am gonna show up in your divorce. I am gonna show up in your cancer. I am gonna show up in your stress. I showed up, and that is the story of Christmas. That God Almighty showed up. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a shout of praise. He showed up. He showed up. Here's what I want us to do at all of our campuses. I want you to stand to your feet at this very moment. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to declare and read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 again. And I'm going to read the first part of that passage. But I want us together as a church family to read the last part, the four names in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Now, God showed up. He came down from heaven, showed up in our situation, in our depression, our anxiety, our stresses, our divorce, whatever you're going through, cancer, whatever it is, he showed up. So I know that we can read that with more power. So I want you to tell the person next to you, you can do better than that. Tell the other person next to you, you can do better than that. We're going to read it together as a church family. Once again, I'm going to read the first part, then you read the other part together. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come on, once again, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Do you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. God is always faithful. Even when we're not faithful, He is faithful. His promises are true, and He showed up. Come on, let's worship together. Come on. We sing out. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. 
and maybe you're here today for the first time, maybe you got dragged into this place, I want to tell you today, it's not by coincidence or mistake that you're here. God has brought you to this place, this specific day, this specific moment, and maybe you don't have peace with God. My friend, I want to remind you today that every single one of us, we're not perfect, but we follow a perfect Savior. The Bible says we all have sinned against God, but through Jesus Christ, we can have everlasting life. Today, you have an opportunity to have peace with God Almighty. He's been pursuing you. He is after you, and he desires a personal and intimate relationship with you. There where you are, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the words that save you, but rather the condition of your heart. God wants your heart. He wants your entire life. If that is you today, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. You can repeat the same exact words or you can pray something similar. Father God, I come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. I believe, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. He showed up, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and resurrected from the grave. And Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I turn away from my old way, and I run to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. Be my Prince of Peace. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, can we encourage everyone that said that prayer? If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.